able to, if you would stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord this morning as we get into what I feel like the Lord has given me to share as a part of this baby dedication. And let me just, I was going to do this later, but if you're, you're a guest today, I don't want this to sound offensive um, to anyone. I don't mean it to be offensive, but we've come to dedicate these children to the Lord today. We're not here to baptize them because we believe from Scripture a, an infant and a young child is innocent. And that baptism needs to be a decision of the individual. And uh, I, I know there's a, there's, I, I got baptized when I was seven years old. I can't tell you that I could theologically explain to you baptism then like I can now. But I made the decision. We believe that's what, that's what should happen. should be the decision of the individual who acknowledges the need, young or old. And so uh, we, we dedicate our children to the Lord. And so again, if you're a guest today, I'm sure if you're a guest, some of you are familiar with other religions that do it differently than this. But that's what we're here to do today. And uh, I'm not going to get into all the explanations of the basis of why we do it that way. But I just I wanted to share that um, with you. So Matthew chapter 3, verse number 13. Matthew 3 and 13. The context of this chapter is, is really, it's to me, it's kind of the starting point of Jesus' adult ministry. This is where things really begin with regards to the fulfillment of why he came to this earth. And so the very beginning of that is what takes place here in Matthew 3 and 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. The Amplified says, verse 15, this way, But Jesus replied to him, Permit it just now. For this is the fitting way for both of us to fulfill all righteousness. That is to perform completely whatever is right. Then he permitted him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I want to draw your attention specifically to verse number 15, and Jesus' statement that it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence that is in this place today. I thank you for the privilege that you have given us today of being in your presence, Lord. Don't let us ever take that privilege and opportunity for granted. I thank you, God. I trust and believe you are already touching hearts and lives in this place. But I pray now that 
you would speak to us as we come today for this momentous occasion, something we value greatly, the presenting of our children to you. I pray that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, I know this won't apply to every single person, but I pray especially for the parents that are here, not only parents that are here to dedicate their children. I pray you would speak to every parent in this place today, that we would hear from you, from your word, what you would say to us. I trust you and depend upon you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is a uh, fairly new, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how new, but there's a newer translation of the Bible that I have heard several use, and I've used it a couple of times myself now, and it's called the the Passion Translation. And I want to read to you verse 15 and what it says about this from the Passion Translation. Jesus replied, It is only right to do all that God requires or fulfill all righteousness, complete every righteous requirement. Then John baptized Jesus. And it goes on to say this, This was the presentation of the Lamb of God as the sacrifice for sins. It was important that John publicly wash the Lamb of God and fulfill all the requirements of the law, proving to Israel that the Lamb that was to be offered was spotless and without blemish. Today is a very significant day. It's known as Palm Sunday. That's the day that, in essence, marks the beginning of the week and the leading up to the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the day that it has fallen for us to do this dedication is Palm Sunday. The birth of Jesus, no doubt, was very important because he couldn't have had the death had he not first had the birth. But I believe from the context of how it applies to you and I, the most significant part of Jesus' life was what we will celebrate in a couple of days. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Because it wasn't his birth that provided salvation. It wasn't his birth that fulfilled the requirements necessary for salvation. It was the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And for Jesus to be able to do that and for his offering of himself as a sacrifice to be acceptable to take away the sins of the world, he had to be, as the passing translation stated, the Lamb of God, but the spotless Lamb of God, without blemish. Meaning he had to live the perfect life, basically. No sin, no mistakes, no rebellion, no disobedience. For him to be able to hang on the cross and be the ultimate sacrifice for sin, that is what was required. And that's the basis or the context of what he says to John. I've got to do everything expected. 
I don't get to cut any corners. I don't get to skip any steps. If I am going to do what I've come to do, if I'm going to accomplish what my purpose is, I've got to check off every box, if you will. Had he not been baptized, he would not have fulfilled all righteousness. Had he not abided by the mandates of the law and the word of God, he would not have been able to fulfill all righteousness. A couple of weeks ago now, actually maybe a couple of months ago now, I sort of thought of something in a different context than I've ever thought of before. Because we spend most of the focus on Jesus and what he did, how he lived. And especially that in his adult years, he was approximately 30 years old in the passage that we have read this morning when he was being baptized of John. And so the next three years that would encompass the the primary years of his ministry we focus on all that he did. We focus on all that he said. And, and the fact that in those three years, he, he made all the right choices. He did all the right things. He lived a completely submitted, surrendered life to the Father, to the will of the Father. And so therefore, he was able to hang on the cross and again be the ultimate sacrifice that would take away the sins of the world. And the reason that you and I can be here today and lift our hands in worship and thanksgiving is because of that sacrifice that provided a way that no matter how great the sin was, Of course, from a biblical standpoint, there's not little sins and big sins. It's all sin. But in our human way of thinking, we have a tendency to consider small sins and big sins. So I don't care how big your sin may be from a natural perspective. There is no sin that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away and forgive. You you may not like this and you may not want to hear this. And I'm not telling you that in my humanity I like it. But the guy who just a couple of days ago went into a grocery store in Colorado and killed a number of people. That guy has the same access to the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away way his sins no matter how horrible what he did was and it was an effective sacrifice but here's the thing that I began to think about a couple of months ago there was a period of Jesus life Because it wasn't just his adult years where he had to fulfill all righteousness. He didn't get a free pass until Matthew 3. He didn't get a, you know, the first 30 years don't really matter. That that wasn't the case. From birth until death, he had to fulfill all righteousness. All. But the problem is this. There was a significant portion of his life in the first few years especially where he did not have the ability himself to fulfill the requirements of the law. 
He did not have the physical ability to choose to do what was necessary to fulfill all righteousness. And so, there had to be someone. There had to be someone who could be entrusted with the period of his life that he didn't have really any control over, that they... I know we're here for a baby dedication, but we're not here doing this out of religious ritual or tradition. And I'm not going to preach any longer than I feel, but I'm going to share what I feel like God has given me to say. And as I prayed, as I said when I prayed, I beg of not just the parents that are here to dedicate your children today, but I challenge every parent, please listen to what the Spirit of the Lord might say to you this morning. Someone had to be trustworthy that until Jesus had the ability to make his own decisions to fulfill all righteousness, that those he was entrusted to would do everything that had to be done until he could then do what he had to do to fulfill all righteousness. I'll give you the first notable thing in his life. It's found in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. I I think we could say it in this way in the context of today. They brought him to dedicate him. Not to baptize him, to dedicate him. As it is written in the law of the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Eight days old. Jesus had no ability to make a choice to do what the law required of him. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't superhuman. He was just as much flesh. He was just as much an infant 
as anybody else. He did not come out of Mary's womb walking. He didn't come out of Mary's room and look around and say, what's up, peeps? He, he, he came out just like any other infant with the same abilities or lack of abilities as any other infant. However, even in his infancy, it was necessary that he fulfill everything the law said if he was eventually going to be able to hang on a cross and be the sacrificial lamb that would take away the sins of the world. What an amazing responsibility and what great trust that was placed in the, in the hands of Joseph and Mary that you will do with this child everything necessary. You're not going to look at things that are required for this child and make your own decision to say, well, you know what, we're just going to skip over that for now, or we're not going to take him to the temple to get circumcised. We're, we, we may do that. We may not do that. They understood this is not our prerogative. We have a responsibility because of who this child is and what this child is called to be to fulfill all righteousness bring me my phone please it's on that table the one time I let leave it one time I want it what an amazing trust that was placed hopefully I can find this quickly Well, I've now dropped the mic and I've now dropped my phone. Oh, man. I really thought I had that in my phone. I can't find it. There, there's a, uh, there's a, an Instagram page. There, I think it's on Facebook as well. It's called Ministers. The minister's wife, or something. And I came across it the other day, and man, I wish I had it. I meant to have it. But her post was about how that she's got small children, how that she is really not all that connected in the service. She's in and out with those children, she's trying to take care of those children, she's trying to keep them as quiet as possible. And and the gist of it is, and many of you can attest to this, the enemy will come in those seasons and try to tell you that it is really a waste of time, that you would be better off Sister Ramika just staying home with those precious little ones and watching online and to bring them here and may not even really feel like you're getting anything out of the service. But you know what? You've been entrusted. You've been entrusted to recognize there's a season that I've got to go through that may not be the most enjoyable season to my own spiritual benefit. We've been there. We've been there. We've been through the years of four kids in six years. 
And unlike most of you, my wife did not have me to give her help. She was all on her own. And there were many times, thankfully, that there were some precious saints. If I call names, I'm going to miss some, but oh well, sorry, I'm not trying to miss. But people like Sister Tina Johnson and others who would take a child for the service. And I know we went home a lot of times and my wife felt like it was wasted time. What good was it to be there? She was in and out and just trying to keep kids distracted and focused. Well, I can tell you now, 18 years later, it was all worth it when our youngest now stands behind this keyboard and helps to lead worship. So I know it's a season some of you are in right now, but I'm challenging you today. You have been entrusted by God to fulfill all righteousness in the life of your children until they have the ability to make their own decision. I'm, I'm really trying to hurry. I really am. But I, I, I got to say what I feel to say this morning. You say, well, you know what, Brother Wright? I don't really know that there's anything of value that's happening for a toddler, for an infant sitting in a service. They don't understand. Well, I'm going to beg to differ with you. And the one example, one of the examples I'll give you is the example of Moses. Moses, who spent the majority, the most influential life, influential years of his life, influenced by Egypt or the world, when he came to a decision for himself, at 40 years old, he decided to forsake the world and to go the way of the people of God. And I believe with all of my heart, it was in the first couple of months, it was in the first couple of years, when Moses' mother, who had tried her best to save his life even at the risk of hers she would sit there and nurse that child and I can't pinpoint this in the scripture but I'm going to tell you what I believe with all of my heart I believe that as Moses mother sat there and was feeding him and was rocking him she was sitting there saying Moses I know you're going to be raised in the house of Egypt I know you're going to have all the best that Egypt has to offer I know that Pharaoh's house is going to be influential in your life but I want you to know Moses you're not an Egyptian you're a Hebrew you don't belong to Egypt Moses you belong to God and I believe with all of my heart that what she put into the heart of that child when he had no ability to understand it when he was able to make his own choice he said I'll go the way of God even if it's not the most appealing way to go Thank you, parents, for trying to keep your infants and toddlers quiet. Thank you. But I've said this not too long ago, and I'll say it again, and I probably should put a reminder in my phone just to say it every now and then. I'd rather you sit in this sanctuary during worship or during the preaching with noisy children that are distracting those around you than decide to stay home and not come. We don't mind a little bit of noise. We don't mind a little bit of disruption. Because even though they may not understand it, in a moment of infancy, I believe God can re- Reach down and touch the heart of a baby and put something in that child that in the future is going to produce. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Somebody else may give you stink eye when your kids are a disruption, but I'm not. Just get it all, go on record. You don't have to worry about me. I'd rather have a church with infants and toddlers disrupting the noise than a dead, dull service. I give you, I think, what is you could say is sort of the essence of parental responsibility, and it's found in the second book of the Bible. It's God's instructions to Adam, but I think they apply in this context. In Genesis 2 and 15, the scripture says, The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. The word dress and the word keep there in the original language, the word keep basically means to guard, to protect. Children have always needed parents that would protect them. But in 2021, with all of the despicable things going on in our world, with immorality bombarding us from every side, children need parents that will guard them and keep them. Parents that are not intimidated by what the rest of the world does or does not do. Parents, oh boy, here we go. Parents that are not afraid to monitor their kids' cell phones and their Facebook and their Instagram to make sure that they're not becoming the prey of some kind of predator. Even if everybody else says you're violating their privacy. I'm not violating their privacy, I'm protecting their innocence. And the word dress, it means, in essence, it means to nurture. God has entrusted you with the lives that he has placed in your home, your family, to nurture. The scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, sometimes we skip that when he is old part. And go straight to the end that says he will not depart. I wish that every child trained in the ways of the Lord never departed, but that's not the promise. The promise is, though, at some point, if you've trained them right, if you've trained them in the ways of the Lord, they're not going to depart from it. You see, God does a lot of things very differently than we do. God's looking for people that are not willing to sacrifice their children to the gods of this world. Listen to this verse. Leviticus 18.21 Listen to what God has to tell the children of Israel. His people. Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. It is thought by many Bible scholars that that phrase... Thou shalt not let your seed pass through the fire to Molech has to do with the fact that the Amorites would sacrifice their children to the God of Molech. And for some crazy reason, the children of Israel were tempted to take on the ways of the world. Oh, we don't physically sacrifice our children today to the gods of this world but in principle we do when we i know we got some guests this morning forgive me but i'm 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 talking to the parents that i have the responsibility of pastoring so you'll just have to bear with me for a moment 
when we sacrifice our children to the gods of athletics. And we prioritize sports schedules more than we do church and ministry. We're sacrificing. When we put education as the first and foremost priority in the lives of our children and pressure on our children to make education a focus and a goal, we're sacrificing our children. I believe in education. I got a bachelor's degree from the University of Maryland in business management. I believe my kids are all in college, going to college. Nathaniel's graduating, has been taking dual enrollment. He's going to keep going. I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, If he ends up without a bachelor's degree, but he ends up saved. If he ends up effective and contributing in the kingdom of God, I'll take that any day over some kind of degree that he can hang on his wall. Because everything here is going to pass away, but there is something that's eternal that will never pass away. Why would God have to tell the children of Israel that? I don't know, but he had to. See, we, we look at things in the future and imagine what will be. We, we have children and you know, I, we, we, we did this. We, we, we try to anticipate what will they be, what will they become, and what can we do to help them become that. But God looks at things from the future and finds those who will be the means by which He accomplishes His purposes. So we look forward, God looks backward. We anticipate the future, God looks to the past at who can I choose to use to get to the outcome I need. Let me give you an example, and I'm, 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 I'm wrapping up. 1 Samuel 3 and 19 says something really, really amazing in light of everything and all the men and women of the Bible. It says, Samuel grew up. This is the New Living Translation. Samuel grew up. The Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Every single thing he says, the King James says that none of his words fell to the ground. Every single thing Samuel said came to pass. God used Samuel, needed Samuel for an extremely significant part of the, of the history of the children of Israel because they had no king and they wanted a king. And so God used Samuel as the one to help navigate the children of Israel through the process of selecting the first king and then selecting the replacement of the first king. It was not any ordinary task that God needed Samuel for. But to have an extraordinary Samuel, there had to be an extraordinary beginning. There had to be an extraordinary mother who was a part of the process of bringing him into this world. And 1 Samuel 1, verse number 8, in 1 Samuel 1, you can find the whole story. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses of it. Then said Elkanah to her husband, 
Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, Why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? All of us husbands, fathers, feel that way at some point. Timothy's in California. Every now and then my wife tells me how much she misses him. Like, but you got me. What else do you need? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? And then apparently it gets worse because I've heard now I hear my dad. I guess parenting is, in a lot of ways, the process to prepare you for grandparenting. Good and challenging things, because my parents used to care about me. I used to be the first foremost area of concern. I've now been moved to at least uh, four plus three. I've been moved at least down to number eight. Because my four and my brother's three all come before the rest of us. Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. To those of you moms that have birthed children and loved them so dearly, look at the desperation with which Hannah wanted to have a child. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. What she was saying there was, if you'll just give me a child, I am so desperate for my barren womb to have a child. I will actually physically take that child when he is weaned and I will bring him to the temple and I will give him to the house of God and I will give up all of my motherly rights. I'll give up all of the things I could expect to do as a mother with a child. I'll give it all up and I'll dedicate him to you. That's no ordinary mother. That's no ordinary birth. But to get to a guy, a man, that God would use that not one single word he spoke was inaccurate or unreliable. There had to be somebody There had to be somebody that would be a steward of that life. Because what would have happened if Hannah would have decided, you know what, I'm going to keep him for myself. I I want him for my own benefits. I want him for my own pleasure, enjoyment. I want him for my own fulfillment. I would venture to say that the verse I read to you in 1 Samuel 3.19 would not have happened. That everything Samuel said would not have been reliable and accurate. But 
before Samuel could ever reach that point when he had the ability to make the decisions. Somebody had to be a keeper. Somebody had to be a nurturer to get him to that place. And so while we are about to, in just a moment here, dedicate these children to the Lord, I'm just going to make a very blunt statement. It's really a waste of time if the parents that are dedicating them are not willing to also be dedicated to your responsibility that the child you are dedicating to the Lord hopefully one day they're going to make decisions like Moses made they're going to make decisions like Jesus made but if they're ever going to get to that point you and I as parents have a responsibility to help them fulfill all righteousness Not some, but all. I understand that until we die or the second coming of the Lord takes place, everything is not really fully over with. So I do not presume today that all of the story has been written and I continually, my wife and I continually pray That what seems to be at this season will continue. There's a verse, somebody referenced it recently here, that I saw Brother Jeff Morgan preached here years, several years ago for several weeks at a time. He's got four sons, and he posted this morning that today was a momentous day for him because all four of his sons. We're going to be ministering somewhere today. Write this off as trying to be dramatic or hyperbole or whatever other word is most appropriate. But I would rather my two sons spend a life given to the ministry that God has called them to than to become the President of the United States of America. Because from the perspective of the Word of God and from the perspective of eternity, a man and a woman of God are fulfilling the highest calling that anyone could ever fulfill.